to a very special Palace of Glittering Delights. As part of my coverage of the Lee Ditko run of Spider-Man, I have decided to yak all over Sam Raimi's 2002 movie entitled Spider-Man, which is an incredibly original title for a film about Spider-Man. Because doing commentaries on your own is boring as hell, I have roped in my really, 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 really good friend, Mr. Michael Bailey. Say hello, Michael. Uh, hello, Michael. See, that joke That joke never gets old. It never gets old. Uh, the film's already playing. The film started playing the minute I said hello, because Michael does that on views, and I think that's a brilliant idea, because I'm not convinced at all that anyone watches the film while they do audio commentaries. Uh, before we get into the film properly, the credits are rolling, the first thing I want to discuss is that this is not in 235 to 1. This film is shot in the more traditional 177, which is 16 by 9 on your widescreen prints. Uh, apparently it was shot that way for a reason. And it led to problems when they did Spider-Man 2 in that they had to redesign the costume. Really? Apparently when they were filming it, yeah, apparently when they filmed it in 230, they'd made the decision to film the second one in two, 235, which is the wider image. Uh, when they shot it in that frame, the spider on his chest was now too low down. Well, so they had to redesign the outfit slightly to accommodate the different frame that they were shooting in. All these, all these things that you don't think about, eh? Yeah, it's uh, well, they um, they uh, they, they there's a lot about filmmaking that I just don't understand. So. Uh, and a special appearance by my dogs. I apologize. Yeah, the, the joining in with the Danny Elfman credit, which is nice. <clears throat> James Aitchison just got his credit for the costume design. James Aitchison, James Aitchison, sorry, is probably best known to Doctor Who fans as being the guy who designed Tom Baker's outfit. Really? Doctor Who. Yep. Wow. It all comes back to Doctor Who. <laughs> if it doesn't come back to Superman. The, the thing that always struck me about these opening credits... Uh, when it first came out was one I thought Danny Elfman was like the perfect person to get to do the um, the Spider-Man music not because he did Batman but because he had worked with Raimi before on Darkman so that they you know they have a a prior (coughs) sorry yay carry on (laughs) they have a prior relationship but I've heard people say that this theme isn't memorable or you can't hum it and I completely disagree with that. I think it's a very, you know, hummable theme. Uh, you know, it's not Superman-level hummable or, or even Batman-level, but I think it serves the character quite well. Yeah, I, I think this is it's a perfectly adequate theme for Spider-Man. It's not a bad score throughout the entire movie. The reason I applauded there, Stanley and Steve Ditko got an on-screen credit. Yeah, which Ditko which, apparently uh, could be bothered I heartily with, approve whatever. Well, whether he can be bothered with it or not, he deserves it. Oh, definitely. He co-created the character. So, All right, we're into the film. We already see the first misstep, which was the casting of Kirsten Dunst as Murray Jane Watson. 
Yeah, I... She was serious diminishing returns. Uh, as uh, what folks haven't heard yet, because I'm a, I'm a lazy bastard, is that we have already done a commentary for Spider-Man 3, uh, where we pretty much ripped Kirsten Dunst a new one <laughs> throughout the course of the film. <laughs> So yes, but uh, um, she's she's not Murray Jane. Yeah, she's she's not even Gwen Stacy. She's someone completely nope. different almost. No, and I did. They need to get Molly C. Quinn tied up to be Murray Jane in the new Spider-Man movies before she gets too old because she's now perfect for Murray Jane. But at least to her's red in this one, mm-hmm. which it isn't in the in the sequels. Uh, Peter getting the bus. This this kind of ties in quite nicely with the Lee Ditko run. Although he, he didn't seem to get the school bus in the Lee Ditko run. I don't know how he got to school. Uh, well, Stan Lee was not concerned with distance and time. No. <laughs> no, no, there were things that didn't bother him. I I do hate though in the in the in the bus scene where the bus driver seems to be just as amused with the kids making fun of him of Peter Parker. It's just just stop the bus. <laughs> yeah, it's it's your job to stop the bus. Peter has a case here to report that bus driver. <laughs> And that would probably work very well. James Franco and uh, I've forgotten his Willem name. Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, thank you very much. Do look like father and son. Yeah, physically, especially the hair, even though it's not the the Ditko hair for the Osbournes. Um, they do have a more than a passing resemblance. And Franco is actually really good in this movie. Uh, I don't know why people slag on his acting ability because I think he's, uh, you know, a perfectly good actor. And here, I love the dynamic, you know, that they changed here where uh, Harry and him met in high school one because that wasn't like the comics. Because uh, they met in college, right? If I, am I remembering that incorrectly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right. They they meet. Well, they kind of meet on on the the trip to college. I think mm-hmm. you know when they're having open days, but they meet officially in college. And Harry's as big a jerk as you could possibly hope to to imagine. He's a massive tool when we meet him. And obviously, the idea was that Ditko was just setting him up to go to college to have exactly the same problems. And then when Ditko left the strip, Lee started softening everybody else down, and and Harry actually became a much more interesting character. Yeah. But I like the dynamic that he's the guy that kind of watches out for Peter, because he's just as much of an outsider as Peter is, because of his relationship with Even though he's rich and (laughs) good-looking. I always have a hard time feeling sympathy for rich, good-looking people. Yeah, it is kind of difficult. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Spider-Man sorry Peter Parker is already a photographer mm-hmm. already taking photos so they've changed that he only becomes a photographer to make some money and the radioactive spider bit is genetically altered here is a school trip it works for the film Yeah, I I actually don't like it at all because the whole point of the scene is that Peter should be doing this on his own. If he's here because he's been forced to be here to be a school trip, it's not really... It doesn't really show that he's a science nerd. You know, I wouldn't have been bothered at all if 
Harry had just thrown his elbow up into Flash's face. <laughs> Bruce Willis style. <laughs> yeah, because you get the distinct impression that Flash... That Harry isn't scared of Flash. No. Harry doesn't give a toss what Flash thinks. Yeah. And I think it would have been nice if Harry had got into a scrap with Flash. Mm-hmm. But Flash is just... In the comics, they do actually flesh him out a lot as you go along. He's just a two-dimensional bully in this. Yeah, it's kind of strange when, of all the mis... You know, because I like The Amazing Spider-Man as a film... You know, as a... More, in some cases, of what they... You know, the decisions they made than this film. But in that film, at least, Flash is a jerk. But he's more like the Lee Ditko Flash than in here. Uh, where yeah, he's just he's just a big bully. I mean, he's huge. He towers over everybody else in the scene. Yeah, he's he's he must be a six footer. I do like that Harry steals Peter's dialogue though to try and get on with Mary Jane. But I'm just I just I don't know because it's Spider Man and because the Lee Ditko stuff is just so ingrained in my DNA. And because I love it so much, I don't like any of these changes. No, I totally see. What I am you're a re- I am a real fanboy about this, aren't I? Well, no. Well, everybody has their thing, so you know, it, it's it's not a bad thing. But um, I did like the little look Flash gave Peter when he noticed that Peter was watching him and Mary Jane talk. Like it was like kind of an awkward. I'm sorry but I'm going to go for it anyways. So. Yeah, because in the comics, it's Harry is dating Mary Jane throughout most of the 60s mm-hmm. from her first appearance. Peter is pretty much smitten with Gwen from the get-go. I mean, he obviously finds Mary Jane attractive and he goes out with her a couple of times, but they're not a serious couple. Yeah. So by making her his lowest lane, yeah. I, I just don't... I don't like it. I don't like Murray Jim. I don't like any of the him being in high school with the people that he would meet later. I think the comics is much more realistic. The people you go to college with aren't the people you go to high school with. And the people you go to high school with disappear from your life. And that they, they captured that brilliantly in the comics. Uh, unless you're me. And granted, <laughs> unless you're you, obviously. But the comics as well, that supporting cast, that college supporting cast, became isn't the it, de facto Spider-Man supporting cast. Isn't it convenient that the spider that bites Peter is coloured red and blue? Yeah. Red and blue, yeah. And doesn't die, just wanders off. So he wanders around and bites everybody else that's there. We have all these people that have superpowers just walking around New York City. Yeah, and again, the comics are very careful to point out, though, that the spider dies. So, uh, Sam, just in case you were thought the audience didn't understand what just happened, you show a graphic of a DNA being altered. Just in case. That's supposed to be Mendel Strom, isn't it? I think so. Which is brilliant. I did love that. That was a nice attention to detail. And now let's give the stunt guy some uh, screen time outside of just being under the mask. Because <laughs> <laughs> Willem Dafoe will get some time off later on. Yeah. I didn't mind all of this stuff because Oscar is built up to be quite important in the comics. Well, in the comics, we, we kind of know that he's rich and he runs these factories. But we don't really know what he does. It, Stan was always quite vague on what Norman Osborn did. Yeah, this is very ultimate Spider-Man here. Yeah. 
they brought in a bit of the Ultimate Universe here, which is fine, I suppose. Yeah, I, mean, I like the first... Well, I enjoyed most of Ultimate Spider-Man that I read. I read up to like the first hundred issues, so I think I got a better, a good handle on the series. I think I read roughly the same. I think I ditched it after Bagley left, which is a shame because Stuart Immonen drew it after that. It's really interesting that right from the jump, Raimi is establishing that even though the company name is Oscorp, he is not in charge. Like, he has people he has to answer to, which underplays his frustration and all that. Uh, it's not something they hang a lantern on, but it's something that I appreciate about the movie. Yeah, well, I felt that was because he's working on this as a military contract. Mm-hmm. So this isn't something that he's developed for himself. So it makes sense that they're paying... For, hey, there's Sam Raimi's car from uh, all the Evil Dead movies. So it makes sense that they've uh, they've paid him to do this, so he has to answer to them, and he has to come up with results. And answer to his board of directors, too. Hmm. I, uh... I think Ben and, and May are too ancient. Uh, well, see, he is kind of just playing off the original comics, though. Yeah. They, they are ancient in the comics. This is one of the this is one of the changes I don't object to. I don't object to Aunt May being what's his name. I don't object to Aunt May being um, in her forties, say. Yeah, Sally Field or Marissa Tomei. Yeah, because it does make more sense that uh, Ben's brother wouldn't be a good thirty years younger than him. Mm-hmm. That being said, Cliff Robertson does good with the material he's given. Come back, shame. Yeah. <laughs> hey, she said I like responsibility. Yeah, I like that they bring back um, Cliff Robertson in the other two films as well. That seemed to be a complaint with some people, though. Why? I don't know. I mean, he, he does look a lot older in Spider-Man Three well, than he does yeah. here. Well, dying will do but, that to you. Well, yeah, <laughs> it'll age him quite significantly. <laughs> you know, I think it's funny that Tommy Aguirre is such a magnetic screen presence that we're, you know, 14 minutes in the film and we haven't even mentioned him yet. <laughs> no, well, what did you think of Tommy Maguire? I thought he was, again, kind of like uh, Mary Jane. I thought we got diminishing returns with Peter. I thought he was okay in this. I think he got I think he got the outsider aspect of Peter Parker. I thought he never embraced the character that Lee and Ditko established in those first, you know, 29 or so issues of the title that he was always kind of a scrapper. He just couldn't do anything about it until he got superpowers essentially. And he's not funny at all as Spider-Man. So it's more of a standard superhero no, thing. That does that was a curious thing that that Raimi didn't have him be funny as Spider-Man. It's it was it was very strange to me that he made that decision. I mean maybe he thought that Maguire had such a reedy voice that he's, he's instantly recognisable when he talks through the mask. So maybe he thought, well, maybe the best thing to do is just not have him talk. I mean, Maguire's a, a fantastic actor. I will, I, you know, I've seen him in a bunch of different things, and he's 
he's always very uh, good in the roles he plays. It's just there's something about him playing Peter Parker that is always off. And it gets worse through the course of the film. <sighs> I am so mad at this bottle, I'm going to throw it on the ground. <laughs> yeah, why not just give it back to poor Mendel? I wonder if that It's Cold line was a uh, improv thing, because it looks genuinely like he wasn't expecting it to be that cold. No, the set's probably not very warm. Well. I mean, it's probably not as bad as Batman Returns, where they actually had him in a freezer so you can see the breath. But, uh, this is, uh, it's kind of interesting that Raimi actually makes the two origins back-to-back work, because it kind of gets them both out of the way. Yeah, and it's it's he's a typical Marvel scientist, and he just tests his random theories out on himself. He'd have got along well with Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. Defoe, uh, ugly costume to the contrary. I think Defoe is 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 much more committed to his role than McGuire is. Hmm. Defoe seems to be having fun. Mm-hmm throughout the entire picture and it's it's just a shame he was the Green Goblin and not the Joker because he would have been a fantastic Joker yeah I remember <laughs> comic scene number three had an article about the then upcoming Batman film where they interviewed Sam Hamm and one of the pictures they showed was the Joker from the killing joke uh, it was the panel where he's turning around talking to the car- the guy that owned the carnival league steals essentially Hmm. um which makes me think of nate ford going we need to steal a carnival uh but (laughs) but they had three pictures next to him they had ray liotta jack nicholson and willem dafoe from streets of fire and he looked like the freaking joker uh so so, sorry i got distracted by the hissing which is kind of yeah, odd. the hissing is great. The, the real shame of that is we will now never see the Robot Master because he just killed Meldon Strom. Well, that and Raimi's not doing the films anymore, so... Well, yeah. Because <laughs> I know only I was clamoring for a Robot Master film. You know, I think they played it so much better in the comics of his eyesight getting better. Uh, yeah, that's a gradual thing in the comics. But they don't have that kind of time in a movie so and did, did they ripped this off for the flash mm-hmm. when he, he wakes up and goes well, I, a, a lightning strike gave me a six pack yeah but the flash owes so much to peter parker and, and the spider-man comics it's untrue yeah, instead of smallville to a large extent so yeah, but Smallville has also set the template for what has become. So it's all just like dominoes, isn't it? The big change gag got a good laugh in the theater. Okay. There would be a point where Mary Jane would figure out that her room is across from Peter's room. And she would have those yeah. curtains drawn all the time. Yeah, how many times has he watched her getting dressed? That leads to... Because he can see right in. That was a good effect. Mm-hmm. Him running down the wall. <coughs> I just think that, that Maguire always seemed like keeping the role at an arm's length. Like he didn't want to fully commit to it. So there's a, a kind of a lack of sincerity in his performance. 
even here in the first one. Like, he gets the relationship things down, but in terms of embracing the character he's playing, you know, I think it's... it's. Uh, I'm not going to do this too much during the commentary, so I'll, I'll get it out of the way here. It's why I always bought Andrew Garfield more as Peter Parker and Spider-Man than Tobey Maguire. Because Garfield was committed to the role. Yeah, Andrew Garfield gets... I mean, Andrew Garfield was sadly stuck in, in, in two not very good movies. I don't mind Amazing Spider-Man, but it didn't really float my boat. And Amazing Spider-Man 2 is just rushing too hard to get to the death of Gwen Stefa. Well, and I, I don't understand what the film's obsession is with speeding along to stuff that comes further down the line. Mm-hmm. Just, you know... If it's successful, you're going to get the chance to do it. So take your time with it. It's one of the things that The Flash has done really well. <coughs> Excuse me. Is they've they've introduced all of the excellent things that you think about being from The Flash, but because they've got a TV series, they've got 22 to do it. Yeah. So they didn't rush straight into Gorilla Grodd. Gorilla Grodd they gave you towards the back end of the season. And it's just it's, it's we've had five Spider-Man movies, and two of them have rushed to get to the Green Goblin tossing somebody off a bridge. Yeah. Or in the case of Amazing Spider-Man 2, or just being tossed off a bridge for no reason. Yeah, no doubt. I I have to <laughs> give Raimi credit. He paces this film very well. I'm not bored at this point. I wasn't bored back in 2002 when I was so looking forward to this film. Uh, this yeah, And I think that's something we haven't really mentioned. This was an event when it happened. Yeah, I saw this in Florida. Uh, the there was a lot of hype around it because it was the first. Yeah, there's uh, Bill Paxton's dad. Yay! As the butler. So uh, the butler who will have important information for him in the future. <laughs> you are so fired. Um, <laughs> but uh, this was. You know, Spider-Man, Superman, the movie, where they spend a good, you know, the, the first, you know, act and a half, you know, you know, just kind of setting everything up, leading up to him putting on the costume. But he manages to make it engaging enough that you don't care. Proving that Raimi watched uh, Red Showcase number four. <laughs> and let's rip off the Flash. Yeah. First fur, I suppose. You know, those two shouldn't be in high school, no. unless they've been held back a lot. <laughs> no, not at all. You know, it's funny, because I always thought that Kirsten Dunst looked a little like Maggie Gyllenhaal. And Jake Gyllenhaal dated Kirsten Dunst, so that always kind of freaked me out. Well, wasn't Jake Gyllenhaal up for this? Yes, in the second one, because uh, apparently there were problems with uh, McGuire... Uh, complaining that he had a back injury leading to the my back gag. Uh, <laughs> there were problems with Maguire's salary demands, I think you mean. Well, yeah, but... And, all things considered, I think Jake Gyllenhaal would have been a better Spider-Man. Probably. I think Jake Gyllenhaal would have been really good. Especially Donnie Darko, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm-hmm. Oh! Peter's just tossed his dinner all over Flash. <laughs> Although, it would freak you out a bit to have uh, Sticky Goo coming out of your wrists, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of teenage <coughs> thing. This is a good gag. Uh, 
Yeah, the tray banging up against the door. I th- I still think if you're going to do this, it would have been funny to have him shoot out of his ass. Well, but I can't imagine him swinging around town like that. I do like how they depict his spider sense. Mm-hmm. That is pretty cool because he's narrowing in on all right. What's what exactly is, am I being warned of? Oh, there, there you go. I will say Kirsten Dunst is quite bouncy in that top. She's bouncy throughout this entire first film. See, this is this playing off the living brain? Mm-hmm. Where Peter and Flash do actually have a fight. That's a good gag. Yeah, him looking at the fist as it goes by is great. My problem with this is in Amazing Fantasy 15, Lee and Ditko do a masterful job of making all this happen to Peter and nobody witnesses anything. Mm -hmm. So the entire school have now seen Peter Parker do backflips, comfortably avoid being punched out by Flash, and with one hand, push him down a corridor. Now, I'm not saying they will immediately go to Peter must be Spider-Man. Because there is no Spider-Man. Because there is no Spider-Man yet. But at this point, they're all going to be going, wait, what's going on with Peter? And, again, I think it illustrates beautifully how people deal with bullies in, in, in high school is... When the freaky kid stands up for himself, everybody doesn't go, oh, good on him. He finally got back at his tormentor. It's like, oh, he's weird. Like, it's the norm that he gets beaten up. Uh, So, I I liked that scene because it felt very real to me. Because usually when 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 the kid getting bullied finally stands up for himself, it's the kid being bullied that gets in trouble, not the bully. Yeah, well, isn't that in the Amazing Spider-Man where he says, um, "Did he, did the kid deserve it?" Yeah. And Flash deserves it. Flash is a jerk. The wall crawling effects aren't great. No, but although that's a brilliant camera angle, though the music really helps. Hmm. I think Raimi has said in interviews he stayed away from the wall crawling gags because no matter what you do, it does look like a guy crawling on the floor and the camera tilted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 basically Burt Ward and Adam West <coughs> crouched down, walking along the floor with the camera turned on its side. Yeah, and then he decides to run across some rooftops, just apropos of nothing. In the comics, he actually tries out his powers first. Yeah, and well, you know, sometimes you got to jump in with both feet, you know. And now he's got to try his webbing. What do you think of organic webbing? I think I'm on record as what I think of it. I love the idea of Peter being clever enough to create his own webbing. And also, I like the dramatic tension that people can overuse. Of He's got to have enough fluid for it to work. And if he's out, he's kind of stuck. Uh, I never bought the, well, no one's going to buy it, because you do anything right, It's a comic! Yeah. <laughs> you do anything... I mean, that, to me, to me, that's, that's, that's your suspension of disbelief's breaking point. 
Not that the guy can get bitten by a genetically enhanced radioactive spider and can now climb walls and now has spider sense and can whip up a $10,000 costume and has the strength and proportionate ability of a spider. That you can accept, but him being able to invent a web shooter, that's just too far for you, is it? I mean, I never bought Bendis's explanation. Um, and I, th- well, Bendis wants to make things too realistic in the first place. It's my my one huge criticism is that he overthinks superhero comics. Yeah, and, I think my problem with Bendis is exactly what we were just talking about. He doesn't wrap his head around it's a comic book. Yeah. So there is a certain amount of silly that comes with it being a superhero comic book. Mm-hmm. Now, I've, I've said before, I don't think silly is a bad thing. I think a small amount of silly is brilliant, and I can tolerate a lot of cheese as well. But when you overanalyze this stuff too much, you start to take the fun out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Because, uh, I mean, just purely on a scientific level, how much of that web fluid would he have to generate in his body? Yeah. For organic web shooters to work. And how badly does Would it smell? Would he not end up looking like Popeye? How badly does it smell, too? Because that's bodily fluids. Yeah. So he's spitting, or worse, in Jonah's face when he webs his mouth up. Let's, let's, <coughs> let's keep with spitting and not the what's worse. Yes. <laughs> and not the other bit, yeah. I don't, so, I, don't th- I, I don't think we need the Spider-Man money shot, is what I'm saying. No, no, we don't. So ultimately, I think that the organic webbing creates more problems than it than it solves, and it is just an example of people overthinking something because it's clearly Lee and Ditko had thought that through, or more likely, I think Steve Ditko, because it's all in the artwork. He'd thought this through. If we give him webbing as an organic offshoot of his powers, where's he going to shoot it from? Well, where do spiders shoot it from? Well, we can't have him do that. So somebody had thought that through. And there's a, there, I mean, it's not a... There's kind of an irony in that they wanted to create something because they were overthinking it and then immediately stopped thinking about it. Yeah. It's like, all right, we'll give him organic web shooters and we'll never mention it again. So we'll never mention that he has to generate this internally. So does he have to eat a lot to generate the webbing? You see what I mean about it creating more problems? If he invents a web shooter, you go, oh, all right, he's invented a web shooter. Fair enough. And you move on. And like you say, it creates drama when he's out of web fluid because then he has to think a bit more about how he gets out of these problems. These people have no chemistry whatsoever. No. I think that's why we're talking about the web shooters rather than addressing the on-screen performances of Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst who... You know, a lot of people complain about Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve. Margot Kidder looking a little bit older than Chris Reeve, which is fine. She does look a little bit older than him. But those two work together on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they had a lot of chemistry together. And I think that shows in the screen tests. Uh, you know, with... Yeah, the only other one who comes close is Stockard Channing in the suit. But she really does yeah, look older than Chris Reeve. Nothing against Stockard Channing. She's a wonderful actress and not an unattractive woman, but yeah. But these two, I mean, they just, I never bought them as a couple. I never bought her being anywhere near interested in them. And they both, it seems like when they're together, they're just reading lines. Like they're hitting their marks and that's it. Yeah, ultimately that's the problem with it. I mean, I'm not somebody who thinks Murray Jane is Peter's soulmate anyway. No. 
but I think I'd, if they had two actors who could have pulled this off, I think it would have been better. It just feels grafted on. Um, it just feels we need to target the female demographic. Let's put a love interest in it. Story question. Uh, Flash isn't an idiot, and they're not hiding. The dude that just kicked your ass is talking to your girlfriend. How are you just ignoring that situation altogether? I mean, I know the interest. Yeah. I know the answer is plot convenience, but still. <laughs> and the fact that Flash will just disappear apart until he shows up for uh, Harry Osborn's funeral in number three. Of course, Peter wants a Jaguar and a Porsche. Uh, Peter, I'm just going to give you a little bit of advice as somebody who's been there. Uh, don't buy a car that's only three thousand dollars. It's going to... <laughs> there's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason that's three thousand dollars. Would have been funny though if you'd seen the advert for the equalizer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so apparently another one for the suspension of disbelief people. Peter Parker is a magnificent comic book artist. He draws just like J. Scott Campbell. He does. But that we can accept that. That doesn't crush our suspension of disbelief. Yeah. I wonder if Raimi still has the the this you know these sketches. Yeah, I wonder what happened to these, or if they auctioned them off. Because on paper it looks just like you know it looks like the comic. <laughs> Actually, that looks more like Phil Jimenez than uh, J. Scott. Campbell. It does look like Phil Jimenez. Yeah. It's it's in the face, really. So. Product placement! Ka-ching! Not that I mind, because I'm quite the fan of Dr. Pepper. Well, I think to not have product placement is more stupid. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with like, you on the, that 100%. The, uh, there used to be TV shows on the BBC back when I was growing up. The BBC doesn't have adverts. And they would have to... They would cardboard up Kellogg's on a packet of cornflakes. They would actually cover the word Kellogg's. And it's clearly a Kellogg's cornflake packet. Mm-hmm. And that that's more ridiculous. Well, it's like Hollywood over here in the eighties had like this generic soda and generic beer can that was like in every show. So whether it was the Incredible Hulk or Who's the Boss, you know, it, it's kind of funny that I'm more interested in the uh, Norman Osborn end of this than of our hero, you know. Yeah, well, the Norman Osborn stuff's brilliantly directed. Mm-hmm. The Norman Osborn stuff feels like a Sam Raimi movie, in the same way that the Doctor Octopus stuff in the second one felt like a Sam Raimi movie. I do like that May and Ben are the most boring couple in the world. Well, he's. Did they ever watch TV? Do you get the sense that at some point, about <laughs> twenty years before this? David Banner, like, came behind there and stole a couple of Uncle Ben's shirt and left a fiver on the thing. Because <laughs> that's a total I David to Banner shirt. It is a David Banner shirt. I do have to say that line, though, was very funny. Uncle Ben's going to give him a lift because he needs the exercise. <laughs> <laughs> well, Driving know, his exercise now. Is exercise, so. <laughs> oh, dear me. Sam Raimi gets his car in it. I have slagged off on, on Tobey Maguire occasionally in this commentary. I am I totally buy this scene. I really like the dynamic between these two actors. They are playing the hell out of this scene. Mm. Well, you've got to wonder, and a lot of time actors will talk about how the other actor 
feeds them. Mm-hmm. And Cliff Robertson's a pro. So maybe just being in a scene with Cliff Robertson elevated Tobey Maguire. He, maybe he was like, I've got to bring my A-game. This guy's been around for decades. And maybe with Kirsten Dunst, it just wasn't there. Maybe he just wasn't getting anything to work with. I mean, and the problem maybe on his side as well, maybe he wasn't giving her anything to work with. Yeah. Whereas Robertson's committed to his role in the scene. <laughs> I do like that, that in this version, Ben does actually say to Peter, yeah. with great power must come great responsibility. Or there must also come great responsibility. And, well, and then they don't mention it ever again. No. <laughs> <laughs> But at least it's there. The Mercy Fancy 15, it's tossed off at the end. You're British. I know what tossed off means. Stop it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> so he's gone to all effort to design that costume, but he goes wrestling in a hoodie. You know, I almost want uh, Peter Venkman and all them to come out of that building. <laughs> that would be funny. I will have to say, even though some of this was filmed in Cleveland and all that and on sound stages, they do enough location shooting that you buy that it's New York City. <coughs> yeah, you do buy that it's New York. Macho Man Randy Savage. Yay. Not a slim well, thing in sight. He is rocking that mullet. Yay. He is. He's uh, considering this is the 2000s. Bruce Campbell! How can you dislike Bruce Campbell? Everybody likes Bruce Campbell. He is having so much fun. You know, he put on that jacket and he found his character. <laughs> <laughs> is this before Burn Notice? Yes, this is before Burn Notice. This is about right. two or three years before Burn Notice. Though it's funny that he was on Burn Notice, I think, around the time that... Uh, Spider-Man 3 was filming, and he looks completely different. Yeah, he will, he'll will. have been doing Burn Notice when he was doing one of the sequels, probably the third one, yeah. But uh, he put a lot of weight on for Burn Notice and then lost it again. Because mm-hmm. he seems to have trimmed up a bit for Ash vs. the Evil Dead. You know what I like about Raimi films? Everyone looks real. Yes. This isn't the... Hollywood pretty people. Yeah. Excuse me. The Hollywood pretty people show. I mean, even Dunst is not. Even though they would try to make her so, she's not really movie star attractive. She's attractive, but she's not like CW starlet attractive. So no, I, I think that was yeah. one of my only issues with Garfield is that he was a little too good looking to be Peter Parker. <laughs> he was a little. He was a little too pretty. Uh, but on the flip side of that, we've got Emma Stone, who was a pitch-perfect Gwen oh, Stacy. Yes. And those two had chemistry. Well, weirdly. <laughs> <laughs> the human spider. I love that. And Bruce Campbell's like, that's stupid. I am not feeling what you are selling, sir. <laughs> <laughs> See, this bit is straight from the comics. I oh, love yeah. this bit. This... You know, it, it's modernized a little bit. They, you know, they make it a lot flashier than the comics, but it would be a lot flashier in 2002. <laughs> I love that. It's the human spider. I don't care. <laughs> Brilliant. This bit's great. That's rather insensitive to say to an orphan. <laughs> Granted, she doesn't know that, but... 
I do like that he's blue and red. <laughs> that is not <laughs> what that actor was saying. That is some terrible what was he saying? <laughs> Oh, we can't rewind it either. What do you know what he was actually no, saying? No, but the the lips didn't match. I do like that his hoodie is kind of Ben Riley esque. Yeah, I was about to say this is. Uh, it's a good, you know, unlike some of the other ways that uh, that Raimi played with it, and that subsequent people would would botch as well in terms of the origin. You know, this is this is right out of the comics. He went in and he wrestled that guy. Now it was done in like a yeah. page. Yeah, they do play they play up the comedy much better in this and they do a really good job of it. And I do like the idea he's wearing a mask because he doesn't want to be recognized just in case because in the comics the implication for this is if this is wrong, I don't want to be shown as being the person getting his ass kicked. You know, I uh I, to this day, when somebody at work, when I had a job, asked me if I was ready, I would go, Boonsaw is ready! <laughs> Ow. Now, that that was a Spider-Man line. Nice costume. Did your, wife, did your boyfriend make yes. it for you? See, that's the thing, is that there were flashes that they had it. I mean, in because Spider-Man smack-talks his opponent. It's just how it works. Mm. That's what he does. But then, you know, they kind of botch it for the rest. See, that, they got that right in the Andrew Garfield films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, and I remember people complaining about that too. He's being mean to him. I'm like, have you read an issue of Spider-Man? Have you read a Spider-Man comic? <laughs> He's been mean to him. Who's, did somebody really say <laughs> yeah, that? somebody really said that. Gee, God. Oh, I'm sorry I'm being mean to the criminal. If I'm correct, I might be incorrect, but I think the guy that played the ref that raises his arm was a staff member of Wizard Magazine. Wow, cool. I think. And that's a good moment as well, where the camera zooms in on Peter, and Peter sucks up the applause. You can see Mm -hmm. good piece of acting from Maguire, though, with just his eyes. You can see it go into his head. See, they see her. He, he knows the kid's face. Yeah. And then Spider-Man shows up. <laughs> Pictures of semi-naked women in the background. That's a classy office. Yeah. Although I do like this change, that the guy stiffs him on the money. Well, which kind of kind of justifies what Peter does. Yeah, it's it's now not so much him being a complete conceited jerk. It's you know he's uh, he's reacting to how he was treated. Yeah, that guy looks like right out of the freaking comics. He does. He is pretty good. He does look like um, God. I can't remember the burglar's name. He does have one. And at this point, the theater erupted into applause. Yeah. Well, again, that's what we're talking They have changed it subtly. Peter's getting his own back there. And, and to which I responded when it quieted down, wait for it. <laughs> yep. These people have... See, this is my thing with people constantly banging on about and doing the origin again. 99% of the movie going public didn't know it. Mm-hmm. 
this story hadn't been done properly. The 70s TV show just glossed over it. Yeah, 70s TV show just completely ignored everything that was important about Spider-Man's origin outside of the spider bite. The the cartoons have done... The 60s cartoon did an episode devoted to his origin, didn't they? Yes, they did. Uh, And it was was when Bakshi took over, because it was the second season of that, if I'm correct, on that one. You know, and I think Amaz- Amazing Friends did one as well, I think. This is a good scene. It's dramatic. I always like the idea of Peter not seeing Ben like this. Yeah. Because it I think it it's it has much more impact if he just goes home and his his uncle's gone. Yeah. Like totally gone. So, and he doesn't see <laughs> and the image that launched a thousand memes. Um <laughs> Uh, none of them good. No, not really. But I, I just like the idea that, you know, Peter comes home, he's on cloud nine, and, you know, like that, his uncle's gone. Yeah. I mean, this is... I much prefer the idea he died in May's arms. Oh, absolutely. Cause it, it... And Peter just wasn't there for her. You know, again, I've slagged off on McGuire. That look in his eyes when he stands up is... Yeah, intense. the Jaws moments. <laughs> I always call it the Jaws moment, where Roy Schneider looks out to see and realizes what he's got to do. The heroic resolve moment. Do you get the sense that at some point during the Spider-Man films that Raimi really wanted to make a Superman film? Yeah. Because that running Even through though he the alley the thing character. Was, a, was Clark Kent changing into Superman. Well, I've, I'm sure I've read somewhere, and I cannot source this because I don't remember where I read it. I'm sure I read somewhere that they originally filmed this in in, in the costume. Huh. And they changed it back afterwards for some reason, which would explain why this looks so crap. Yeah, the the. to be fair, it was 2002 and a lot of this technology was still, you know, getting its feet wet. And even now, some computer technology doesn't look as good as it maybe should. Uh, but yeah, he looks a little rubbery uh, in some of the sequences. That doesn't look bad. No. <laughs> and fair play. See, th- that's the thing that I don't know that there should be a comedy beat there. <laughs> Probably not. Though fair play, Raimi got the web swinging down. Oh, like, yeah. almost immediately. It looks fantastic. Yeah, because there's a rubbery quality to the web fluid as well, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's not just wrenching his arms out every time he, he swings. I mean, I know he's got spider powers and everything, but he does occasionally have real people. I like how he also... So the fact that it's got a bungee cord quality to it. He's not quite good with it either in this scene he's swinging no but it's almost like every swing is dumb luck that he doesn't fall on his ass now Rainey's a good action director i don't think he gets enough credit for that uh, no this is a really really well done action scene mm-hmm. so he's like the opposite of brian singer <laughs> He's the opposite of Brian Singer in that he didn't have complete disdain for the source material as well. Oh, he loved it. There was a there was a film called Indian Summer that had Diane Lane and Bill Paxton. Uh, Kevin Pollack was in it. It wasn't directed by Raimi, but Raimi was in it. And 
I always got the sense that Raimi had something to do with it because one of the main characters' big thing was that it's all these people coming back to a summer camp, and one of them drew Spider-Man on the wall. So it always made sense. I always associated Raimi with Spider-Man anyways. Yeah, I I think he definitely loved the comics and knew his stuff. There's enough evidence in this film to support that. What a great shot. That's a good shot. What a great freaking... You know what? He nailed this part, too. Yeah. A little more violent. (laughs) Well, you know. But... Justifiably so, I think. You know, he may have... He's not a burglar, but they got this scene. I'm a multi-million dollar actor. You must see my face. Yeah, this doesn't make sense. Although the guy ends up dead in this version, so... Love this reveal. Love this reveal when the light comes on him and he realizes... So great. They did a good job there as well in that they had the actor have grey hair on top, but when he's got the hat on, yeah, he does look completely different. And the scene that really upset my wife in the theatre. Ooh. See, this bit here, he's got web shooters. No, he's not. He's got organic webbing here. He could have saved that guy. But at the same time, unlike in Spider-Man 3, he's not... The guy trips. It's not like he pushed him. No, but he doesn't stop him from dying. No. Didn't people have a huge to-do about that in Batman Begins? So why does this get a pass? Actually, did people have a problem? I don't remember people having a problem with that. But we may have been reading different I, websites. So Yeah, we've read different forums. <laughs> we both like to scour the bottom of the internet, but from different places. And here's the Batman shot. Yeah. But it works for Spider-Man. The Gargoyle shot does work for Spider-Man mm-hmm. just as well as Batman. Because it works for Daredevil as well. This is a great silent scene. They don't say anything, but it's just... It's all played from the See, back. See, because you've got, you've, you've got to wonder as well how May knows that Peter knows. Yeah. But it is well done. And the empty house now that Ben's not there. Beautifully framed. Hey, remember, we have another part of this plot. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we've got the origin out of the way. We now need to introduce our villain. Because that is essentially act one over with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And overall, this is a this is a fine scene. Um, this reminds me of the Rocketeer. It does remind me of the Rocketeer. So. That is the most impractical suit. What the hell is that? Yeah, that's the most impractical (laughs) suit of armor ever. (laughs) It is. And apparently it can fly unconvincingly. It's like a giant penis with arms and legs. (laughs) Oh, it was a giant penis with arms and legs. (laughs) Now it's nothing. That was a great dissolve. Yeah, his, his editing in this is brilliant. And there you go, let's rush to get him out of high school. Oh, but let, let's listen to all the fans on the internet complain that he's going to be in high school again. Yeah. How far like, into this film are we? Franco is so much taller than Willem Dafoe. 
Yeah, you think they'd have put Willem Dafoe on a box. Although Michael's so much taller than me, so. You wouldn't know it from the pictures. I just want you to know that. Uh, that's because I always uh, go on my tiptoes. <laughs> or position actually true. smaller than you. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not a joke. <laughs> I go on my tiptoes for photos with Michael. Or he'll he'll be kind to me and crouch a bit. Yeah, that relationship wasn't going beyond high school, was it? No, well, Flash and Murray Jane. It doesn't make sense that she'd go for somebody like Flash. Murray Jane wants somebody with money. You know, Raimi does a really good job of establishing, and the scriptwriter too, but Raimi put it together, of establishing that Norman had the potential to be a second father uh, so that when that's rejected later in the film, it pays off nicely. Hmm. That's, you know, as a Spider-Man I still think this is my favorite of the five. It's so much better than I used to give it credit for. Um, because I used to, I used to not be too high on this. I mean, I liked it as an origin story, but watching it now, and I guess it's because we're doing a commentary for it and I'm really forced to kind of think about it. Um, it is I don't a, mean to make you think this early in the morning. Uh, it's such a solid origin story. Like, it follows... It's a Superman the movie level origin story. And follows that template pretty closely, too. Well, so does Spider-Man 2. Yes, yes it does. Well, and Spider-Man 3. So... <laughs> Again, I think Raimi really wanted to make a Superman film at some point. I think I think Sam Raimi would make a brilliant Superman film. Oh, he would be. He'd have to back off on the body horror a bit, but still. Not if he had Brainiac take over Lex Luthor. Well, that... So we're gonna have Raimi direct whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Yeah. Not Actually... that story specifically, but we could we could take that element. I think he'd do a great job. Okay, you'd have to actually have Superman do something. (laughs) Your frustration on that episode was so apparent. (laughs) Uh, Peter, you got something on the side of your mouth. Would you please wipe that off? (laughs) That's not a bad little scene, though. No, I mean it, it. It it hits all the right emotional beats. His greatest American hero shot. (laughs) <laughs> it's nice that he had a uh, suitcase. <laughs> wow, Peter, how many versions of this car? <laughs> I'm going to do a wide shot, and then I'm going to do a it up against the wall shot, and then a close up, and then I'm going to color it in beautifully, and then we're going to rip off Superman the movie with a montage of Spider-Man doing stuff. Oh, but this is such a great montage. Oh, not not arguing that point at all. But look, suspension of disbelief, people. He can make a $10,000 costume. I he li- can't make web shooters. I like That's brilliant. Yeah, they don't really show him all that much. We're about to have Lucy Lawless <laughs> show up. Yeah, Lucy Lawless is here in a minute. Because she's married to Rob Tabert, who is Sam Raimi's production partner. And Raimi also produced Xena. With Rob Tabert. Mm-hmm. That's good. Ah, first full shot of Spider-Man. And it's glorious. God, he casts such real people in these roles. Yeah. 
Another thing that he has in common with the Flash, you never see him take the mask off or put it on properly. Yeah. They always have to cut to a different angle. Hey, uh, Mugger, the 90s called. They want their grunge back. <laughs> I love that as well. Lucy Lawless. Thank you, Owen Wilson, for showing up for this role. I know that's not <laughs> Owen Wilson, but it looks like Owen Wilson. It may as well be. I really wanted to be in Spider-Man because I really like that character. <laughs> See those shots? And J. Jonah Jameson, who is arguably the best person in the film. Oh my god. Like, J.K. Simmons on the level of Dina Meyer as Batgirl, Oracle... Burt Ward as Robin. Burt Ward as Robin. Uh, Sam Elliott as Thunderbolt Ross. It's just like, mm-hmm. holy crap, that is right off the comic book page. Yep. And who knew she would become a big deal? No, she's uh, Elizabeth Banks became a really big star, and she was... And see, the, this is my problem with it. Kirsten Dunst, Elizabeth Banks... I'm going for Betty every time. Oh, God, yes. She is so much more attractive. She does a... And it's... Go ahead. Yeah, go on. I was just going to say, I don't want to turn this into sexist piggery, but Betty Brandt shouldn't be more attractive than Murray Jane Watson. (laughs) The gentleman playing Robbie Robertson actually lives in my area. Does he? Because he's good. I wish they'd give him a bit more to do. But like you say, it's... Films, TV show, he would have got a lot today. That's straight out of the comics. Yeah. No, and I think I love that J.K. still plays the character, at least the voice of the character on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. There was talk that had they got to do Amazing Spider-Man 3, Andrew Garfield was very big on bringing J.K. Simmons back. Yeah, it's just, he's so perfect. And it's just really weird to think of him, like, I see him a lot on Law and Order because he was a, a psychiatrist that worked for the prosecutors. Um, but he was also this, uh, like, fanatical Nazi on the show Oz. So the man's got range. And he was Juno's dad. But he is, he's a great actor. That's the thing with J.K. Simmons as well, is he can be unrecognizable from role to role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... He, which arguably an actor should be. He's kind of Viggo Mortensen-level chameleon. Uh, would be funny, though, if Mary Jane had forgot to put a top on. It would have been good for us. <laughs> <laughs> Again, sexist piggery. Hey, I apologize. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Listeners that are female, we do apologize. See, you know what? I can't overly sexualize Kirsten Dunst, though, because the first time I saw her was Interview with a Vampire. And that's what I kind of think of her when I think of her, Uh, so... Yeah, I think of her as in that Star Trek The Next Generation episode, which, oddly, she doesn't talk about. I wonder why. I don't know. That's weird. I mean, it's... You'd think that would be high up on her resume. God, these two just have no chemistry whatsoever. No, not at all. <laughs> it's so hard watching them do a scene together. Do you think she got cast purely because she's got dimples? Yeah, I think she got cast on looks. And she's, but she's not even really a good-looking redhead. <laughs> Do 
I mean, Denise Richards isn't the best actress in the world, but she's a better Murray Jane than Kirsten Dunst is. Denise Richards? Yeah, she would have been great in this. Yeah. I would believe Denise Richards as a wannabe actress slash model more than I believe Kirsten Dunst. See, and, Which is odd, given that Kirsten Dunst is an actress. And normally I don't try to closely associate an actor or an actress with their roles and let that color other perceptions, but by this point I'd seen Starship Troopers and I hated her character in that movie. I hated her character in that movie, so maybe her being de- Mary Jane would have been a problem for me. I love this apartment. Yeah. And this, again, this is straight out of the comics, Peter and Harry living together. Mm-hmm. But again, my problem is they've rushed to get to the Ramita stuff. Yeah. Well, it was probably what Raimi was more familiar with. Yeah, I think he has said that it's the late 60s, early 70s stuff that he was reading. I feel like I'm betraying uh, Spider-Man because I'm drinking out of a Batman cup. <laughs> I'm sure he'll forgive you. This is my Batman cup. Willem Dafoe has the nicest hair. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. There's another actor who looks... is kind of like the opposite of being physically different in every role. He looks the same in every role, but he is so good at embodying the different characters. Yeah, he was great in John Wick, mm. which I just watched recently. I haven't seen brilliant it yet. In that. There's a bit in it you won't like. Yeah, Jeff warned me. Mm. But it does kind of play into the whole plot of the film. Oh. See, where's Spider-Man mouthing off here? I hate that was a bit. Pictures, that was all right. Because they look... They look like production stills. <laughs> yeah, all of that was at night, yet none of those pictures are at night. Can we ignore for a second that he shattered that man's chest? (laughs) Well. $200. Jonah's a skin flint. Spider-Man Hero or Menace. Yes! (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Atticus! Is, Every scene with this guy is brilliant. He is just rolling over McGuire as an actor. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jonah would roll over Peter yeah. at this point. So that works. It's only later on Peter starts getting the confidence to stand up to him. Christmas meat. <laughs> <sighs> oh, dear. I do like that the offices of the Daily Bugle are significantly shabbier than the offices of the Daily Planet. Mm-hmm. See! More chemistry between Elizabeth Banks and Tobey Maguire in this one scene! She's getting younger as she gets older. I know, it's just not right, is it? <laughs> like, she's got a painting in her attic, I swear to God. <laughs> Elizabeth Banks is a director as well, isn't she? I think so. Did they just take, like, the the Maxwell Shrek logo off of the wall and... (laughs) 
I do like Willem Dafoe. That guy's in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he is. He's he, he's he's a really good that guy. <laughs> Un- unfortunately, they're absolutely right. This is the best time to sell the company because they're going to get the most money mm-hmm. out of it. Now, they are a board of directors. So, uh... is that James Tolkien? No, it's not Think But Fly Think, is it? He did look like him for a second, though. Asian man is not amused. <laughs> or affected <laughs> by your yelling. <laughs> that uh, is funny. Oh, the World Unity Festival. Oh, you mean the scene that completely dates this film? <laughs> yeah, so far, it's not doing too bad, is it? Yeah. Some of the, the CG's a bit... Ropey. A bit ropey now. But it's not. Te- we've not had a truly terrible special effect yet. I, I'm just more of the thing that Macy Gray is the big. Yeah, well, that, that's where I was going, and so it's not that dated. And I love how colourful this New York is. It is a comic book New York, mm-hmm. and then suddenly Macy Gray shows up, and you're like, "Oh yeah, she was a thing at one point." I wonder what kids watching this movie now think. Like, who is that? Yeah, it's like putting Lady Gaga in it. She looks completely drunk. Especially seeing as she would be easy to cut out as well. Mm-hmm. She didn't look like she was in any way interacting with the the actors. No, it's not like uh, you know Vanilla Ice dancing with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, thankfully. Oh yeah, I, I'm thankful for that on a number of levels. <laughs> <laughs> Watch, someone out there is going to say, "Hey, I liked that scene," and. To that person, I say, you are more than welcome to that opinion. <laughs> See, that's the... F- the fact that these two don't have any chemistry works, you know? Yeah, because they're not supposed to. Mary Jane's winning for the money. Well, we're taking what she's given because she's working for a living. Although, they did have chemistry in Spider-Man 3. Yes, they did, when they needed to. <laughs> So, I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> Let me have an awkward conversation with this guy. <laughs> I like the uh, the introduction of the Green Goblin in this scene is actually very well done. Yeah, that's, that's swooping in behind the building. Mm. I love the colour in this. Because mm-hmm. we're now so used to every superhero movie looking dark and miserable. This is gorgeous, look at it. I mean, it's clearly a soundstage. Yes. Maybe with some location photography thrown in. But it just it's so colourful and vibrant and bright, it's lovely. But it doesn't feel like a soundstage. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say, oh, like, now we've cut to the back lot. I hate this costume. Yeah, it's not the best costume. And especially seeing as apparently they did have a a Ditko-like one that they chose not to go with. There's your Clark Kent moment. Yep. We've got a better one coming up in a minute. Hey, Stan. And it's... Wonder- hey Stanley and it's wonderfully edited as well yeah. brilliantly edited sequence my wife now has a theory that it's worked into 
the contract of all the actors in these various Marvel films that the stars have to give a portion of their life essence to. There you go! Still a better shirt rip than Superman Returns. (laughs) Still a better shirt rip than Smallville. (laughs) Although Smallville was better than Superman Returns, I'll give it that. I like the pumpkin bombs. I love the pumpkin bombs. Who doesn't love a pumpkin bomb? That's brilliant! I love how it killed everybody. Mm -hmm. I don't get how it didn't kill Harry and Mary Jane. Plot contrivance. Did you have to be looking at it, or, or what? This is a brilliantly edited action sequence, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, Raimi, Raimi knows how to do action, and I think he, he kind of proved that in, in Darkman as well, uh, which is a fun, pulpy movie. Yeah, I like Darkman. So... Defoe having a lot of fun. I get to beat everybody <laughs> up. Apparently, he was quite rough on Tobey Maguire in these scenes. Good. He was he was not <laughs> above like giving him a good hit. Well, how much of this was Tobey Maguire? Well, there's that too. Because I know Defoe did. It. Why does he look tiny though? I know Defoe did as much as he could. Because he's that kind of actor. But I'm not buying that any of this is Tobey Maguire. Yeah, Defoe's a very physical actor, which is another reason, another thing I like about him, is that he kind of commits to the role as much as humanly possible. I have to say, Mary Jane is looking fetching in that Asian-inspired outfit. What is Mary Jane wearing? (laughs) Who is she wearing? Ow. I think it's a (laughs) banoose. Are we going to Addis Ababa, Mr. Luthor? (laughs) This is a good fight scene. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I have, I, you know, even in the third one, I have no complaints about any of the action sequences. See, the thing with this is, as well, it's really frenetic and very fast-paced and edited. At no point are you confused as to what's going on. No, uh, it's like Winter Soldier. Like, that elevator scene in Winter Soldier is fast-paced and close quarters. I can follow that fight from beginning to end. Oh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Love the bungee card. Good save. Good save of Lois Lane, though. Yeah. I'm, I am now going to keep purporting the theory that Sam Raimi is just a frustrated Superman director. <laughs> Patterned all of his films on the Superman films. He has a shirt rip in just about every film, which is not a big Peter Parker staple. No, I think only Todd McFarlane did that. This is good. I like that. And they use this location for Dirt Devil. Uh, uh, I was trying to propose... <laughs> Thanks for interrupting with your cute quip. Obviously not well, That's Toby funny. Maguire. I thought you were Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do think it's... I, ne- I never noticed it until I watched the behind-the-scenes thing. I think it's genius that they had the costume have a face plate so that no matter who was in it, it always looked like he had a jawline. Right. Because McGuire does not have a strong jaw. <laughs> he's got a cleft in his... You know, he's like Gaston. He's got a cleft in the middle of his chin. 
Harry, you have no idea how to relate to people. You think buying them things will just... What a great bit of characterization there. Which is from the comics. Mm -hmm. Murray Jane wouldn't pay him any attention in the comics. He turned to drugs. I think Franco's fine in this. I think he's a little bit too handsome to be Harry. He is a he is a good looking man, isn't he? <laughs> I feel secure but, uh, enough to say that. Yeah, he's a handsome guy, I suppose. I would have liked to have seen him with the cornrows. <laughs> Although, if you've seen him in Spring Break, he's come to say, pretty much that hurdle. You gotta have that look in Homefront as well, <laughs> where he got kicked around by Jason Statham. The Stafe. Stafe? Yeah, the Stafe. <laughs> I am not the gay. By the way... Love uh, Transporter 3. It was brought home how as imposing as Jason Statham is physically in home front when he had to do a scene with Clancy Brown. He's not that tall. <laughs> no, no, he's only he's only about 5 foot 8, isn't he? These, this but maybe that's is... why he works well on the Expendables, because Stallone's only like 5 foot 2. Mm. This is a brilliant scene. The sound is great. The acting is mm. great. The cutting back and forth from the mirror. Yeah, it is. The more you get into it, the more you think the Willem Dafoe stuff is more interesting. I like how they don't hang a lantern on the mask thing, but it's there. Apparently he did this in one take. That wouldn't surprise me. This is his Tyler Durden scene. Yes. <laughs> there he is throwing the glasses away again. See, that's not split screen. That's him doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he's that good. And then he And then he changes character again when he turns around. His performance in this film, actually, I'm, I'm reappraising it as we're watching it. It's it's brilliant. He makes all the right acting choices throughout the entire film. And I don't know how much of that is Raimi, like, nudging him along, or if, uh, you know, just, he just... Just Willem Dafoe's that good. Yeah. And I, I, I have to say, Raimi had something to do with it, because he... He seems to be a director that brings the best out of his performers. Except Kirsten Dunst. And and, and Tobey Maguire. But still, (laughs) I mean, you watch his other films, you know, the people are... (laughs) What kept you? (laughs) He's so proud of himself. He is. He makes up Dr. Octopus as well. Ah, Ted Raimi. So glad to see you in this. Joxer, the mighty master of philosophy. <laughs> Copyright the Green Goblin. Actually, it's libel. <laughs> <laughs> Trust my Brilliant. <laughs> He's funnier than Spider-Man. He is. I don't know that he should be. Stuntman? Yeah. 
not very good stunt double either, but you know, whatever. I love this this part. Protects Peter. Protects his... Yep. Says so Protects his employees. Him. Would you care to step outside? <laughs> oh, he just shat in his mouth. Yes. And made... Oh, this bit's awful. Yeah. No. Where was his spider sense when he needed it? Well, Raimi's just following in the footsteps of the comic writers. <laughs> when we need to ignore the spider sense, we, we can will. ignore it, exactly. <laughs> For reasons of plot. Oh, this bit's just not good. It's a... <sighs> of all the places that they could have done with them taking the masks off. Oh, not that we're not so different, you and I, speech. So, uh, Goblin, I, I just gotta ask, did you did you like Alien so much that uh, you had to look like the character in Alien? Or do you have, like, an extra set of jaws in there that pop out? <laughs> That's just a horrible design. <laughs> I'm smacking him on the head, funny. But this is just awful. Because you really can't see any emotion in the actors. No. So it is just like two plastic dolls having a conversation. It's kind of sad where you get more emotion out of what's-his-name and V for Vendetta. Yeah. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving in the body language makes you think that the mask is changing expression when it's not. I mean, bless Defoe, he's doing his best. I, I always thought that seeing his face underneath that goblin mask was just such a mistake. Because it's like, okay, you have a crappy design, now you have an even crappier design, because it looks terrible. And that's a Batman and Joker conversation, not a Spider-Man and the Green Goblin. We just keep pounding at each other until one of us is dead. That's a very Stanley-ism. Mm. You would have had a floating head in the comic. Yeah, or a half-fest. Now, in the novelization, uh, which we haven't talked about all, my, all that much, the casting director was Flash Thompson's aunt. Oh, right, yeah, so she was. Good novelizations yeah, by Peter David, that. but that's... Yeah, the, all three of the novels by Peter David are quite enjoyable. He does what he always does, is adds a little bit more of the comic books, because the introductory chapter mentioned that Peter read Captain America as a kid. <sighs> now we're getting up to the audition scene. Well, given how much he likes shirt rips and running down alleyways, I would have thought he'd have read Superman. (laughs) At least Superman gets name-checked later in the film. That's true. Mary Jane, stop toying with this kid. You're coming off as mean here. I'm sorry. 
Can we have more Willem Dafoe? <laughs> Willem Dafoe. I've really got a lot to say here. This isn't very good, is it? Willem Dafoe <laughs> and, and James... Fr- uh, Harry and Norman Osborn still a better romantic story than this one. <laughs> <laughs> She's just toying with him throughout this entire scene, and it's so cruel. Oh, this can't go well. No... Doesn't need a spider sense for that, does he? No, not at all. I like that, that he's still in the process of getting changed. Yeah, it was a good little shot. I liked it. I like seeing it. Where did the other two guys come from? Apparently they were waiting in the alley. For what? On the off chance that this was to happen. Oh, it's pouring down, so let's get the actress in a wet t-shirt. That's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, this fight scene is great. Cold in that alleyway. He's not put his mask on. Of course not. It's the first thing he would do. <laughs> and All right, why, why? What reason is there here for him not to be wearing the mask? Yeah, there really isn't. It was a good fight, though. Uh, Yeah, it was a great fight. I like her having to evade people being thrown at her. I think you need an acting lesson. (laughs) Some would say he was also spectacular and web of. (laughs) And sensational and objectiveless. And astonishing. (laughs) Is there any that they've not used for him at this point? Um, the statutory. They have not done the statutory. <laughs> the statutory Spider-Man. Okay, don't take it off too much because we don't want to see the... Uh, okay, ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> <sighs> One of the most non-romantic kisses of all time. <laughs> and she doesn't recognize his chin. Toby Maguire has a recognisable chin. I love Sam Raimi, I really do, and I like his films, but this bit just... It was good that in mass theory. splits down the middle. Oh, thank you for the shot of her cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice shot. I don't really need to see wet stuff splashing into her face, though, after that. <laughs> That would be his web fluid. <laughs> is that what he's calling it now? Yeah, that's what he's calling it, yeah. <laughs> My spider sense is tingling. Thwip. She is a New so, York actress. I have seen her on Law & Order. So is this bit on location, then? I think some of it was filmed on location in New York. Uh I know a lot of, like, the the other ones were, like, filmed in Cleveland. Apart from some second unit. Yeah. I could be wrong about this, but she looks she looks like an actress I see a lot on Law & Order, because they tend to reuse secondary actors a lot. It's a really tense scene. Up the, yeah, he's built up the tension really well, eh? Oh, no, baby's dead. No, he isn't. That's not my baby. 
<laughs> Oops. A dingo ate my baby. Spidey saves the day. This is a good... I love this little exchange. Yeah, I love... You know, cops gonna arrest him, but it's just like you're the only one that can do this. So, pretty typical Spider-Man. Oh, thing. Look. it's great Spider-Man thing. This fire the cops sequence always is have this. Great. It is very good. The cops always have that love-hate relationship mm-hmm. with Spider-Man. No, this is a this is another. The one thing I will not fault this film for is the action. The action is incredible throughout. But are we supposed to believe the Green Goblin started this fire to lure Spider-Man here? Uh, I guess so. <laughs> it's a little bit on the nose, don't you think, Gobby? A moth mm. of the flame, and it's flame. Fire on fire. Pumpkin bomb! <laughs> pumpkin bomb, pumpkin bomb. Can't get me with a pumpkin bomb. Gobby! I do like his pumpkin bombs. That's a great bit. Just, oh man. I love the costume there. He's right out of Ditko. The spidey Mm -hmm. in the back. The fact that the blue looks black. Mm -hmm. He's Ditko all the way. Ah. That that frenetic frenetic close-up is a Raimi staple. Hmm. I like that as well, using his webbing to pull him back and keep him off balance. And then kicking him in the face. Are the, are the firemen at no point going to start putting this fire out, though? No, they don't have to. Uh, Spider-Man saved just, the baby. Their job is done. <laughs> just let the, let the fire take the building. You know, man. You know there is a deleted scene of Aunt May complaining about the kitchen. <laughs> I'm surprised she's not made wheat cakes. Work was murder. Very good. That was funny. How you doing? First chance why does, I get. Why does Norma not know Murray Jane? If he knows Peter. Mm-hmm. And he need, tried to kill her earlier on. Granted, he can't say that. This is a, a well-paced scene. A bit of CG trickery going on there with the unmasking. Mm-hmm. Good job he's got high ceilings, isn't it? I would have thought that blood would have coagulated by now. You'd have thought so. But maybe hopping up there opened the wound again. (laughs) How did he hear that? Mm -hmm. Well, he's got goblin hearing. Oh, right, okay. A previously untalked about superpower. You know, he becomes the Green Goblin with his face. Yeah. <laughs> it's such... He doesn't he doesn't need the mask, does he? 
it was a good way to play with the kind of multiple personality thing that other people would kind of touch on with him. Where he would forget that he was the goblin and be nicer. Yeah. That part of his personality would be put, pushed down for a short time. Why does Norman get to be head of the table? Do the Osborns not have any other family? Apparently not. What they, about the butler? He's at home eating a turkey sandwich. <laughs> he's at home all on his own. And Miss Maxie's out there, that's brilliant. And you know he's just thinking they're about ripping her head off. You know, later on, I'm going to blow up your house. <laughs> Do you think that's what that was? It was revenge for this bit. You shouldn't have smacked my hand, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> is he really that petty? Yes, he is. Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> See, the, so the problem with rushing to all of this bit, these scenes were always much more tense when they involved Gwen and Harry and Murray Jane and Captain Stacy. I do like him figuring it out, though. I mean, it's kind of a contrived way to do it. But at the same time, it was a, it was a solid way to, to have it happen. Something has come to my attention. I lo- Yeah, some of the dialogue in it is really quite clever, isn't it? Mm. When you relate it to the scene that it's in. Enjoy the fruitcake. Also clever. No one enjoys fruitcake, except my father-in-law. And Norman Osborne is a fruitcake. Oh, Norman's a misogynist. You think? (laughs) Yep. Well, that was always implied in the comics as well, wasn't it? Although we didn't really ever really learn what happened to his mum. I always got the sense that the mother was the one woman that he loved, and then after that, it was just over. Yeah, Harry, you were kind of a jerk here, but on the plus side, more turkey for Peter. (laughs) Yeah, especially when everyone storms out. He's got to generate that internal web fluid somehow. So he may as well stuff his first with that massive turkey. Why does she call her Aunt May? Because everyone feels... Country- well, because they were such good friends growing up, remember? Mm. You can't see my eyes cutting from side to side because... <laughs> okay, it is a testament to Sam Raimi as a char- as a director that he can make a mask on a chair look like a character. I'm threatening. Yes. Again, because it just blends in with all the other masks that he's collected over the years. The lighting in this scene is just amazing. Just like on a technical level, it looks so good. I wonder what happened to the other houses. And I guess she had good insurance, because this house was fixed in the second movie. Hmm. Maybe that's why she had to move out. Yeah. they don't Because they don't mention any of that in the films, do they, was it? Because that was one of the things I always thought was odd about the comics, reading it. Apparently this was rented accommodation. It wasn't their own house. Yeah. Mm. 
Is it sad that I find that scene funny? I'm being tortured by the Green Goblin. You know, it makes perfect sense that she, that they're Catholic. You know. It makes perfect sense that Peter Parker's Catholic. Just all that guilt that he carries around yeah, with no him. No doubt. Having been raised Catholic, I I can attest to this. <laughs> so I think that it makes perfect sense that that's that's Peter's religious affiliation. That's why he and Matt get along so well. Yeah, I was just going to say him and Matt Murdock. Then they go beat up pedophile priests. That best use of your free time. It's never happened. So. I like how he's took that picture to a hospital bed. Yeah. I mean, you know, this film, I think everyone says, or most people, I don't want to say everyone, most people say that the second one is the best one. Um, I think the second one suffers from being a stitched together movie instead of this one, which has a more clear narrative structure to it. Uh, you know, everything goes to everything. It's rushed, but at least it flows smoother. Though the second one has some great character work, and I'm not dogging that film. I like that movie. But this is a great origin story. And again, I think it's because he's following that Superman the movie pattern. Hmm. Like I said, this is my favorite of the five, because it actually feels like a Spider-Man comic, even with all its problems. See, I it always feels thought you like liked a comic the second book. one for some reason best. I do like the second one. This is my favorite of the five. Oh, yeah, because there is a difference between being the best and being the favorite. <laughs> yeah, there's, there is just something about this one that feels more like the comics than any of the others. And this I don't must, know what it is. And this must have been such a huge deal for you. Yeah, especially seeing as we did see it in America. I almost killed a man at, this, at the viewing of this one. <laughs> Why? Rachel was still in her wheelchair because she had shattered her ankle earlier in the year, and she was in a wheelchair. And we were up at the in the handicap seating, and these two frat boys were going in and out amongst us because we were at the end of the row. And one of them stepped on her foot, and my arms were about to shoot out and shove him, but Rachel flew her arm covering my chest. And if I would have done that, I would have pushed him over a ledge. <laughs> so, Good job she was there, then. Yeah. Well, it, if she wasn't there, it probably would have happened. But but still, I was... You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah, she Rachel knew exactly what was about to happen. And I'm not like that. I'm not a physical guy. But when she went, ow, I just freaking lost it. <laughs> so... So you could have been in jail for Spider-Man Yeah, for Spider-Man. For Sp- uh, exactly. <laughs> it would have been a different viewing experience. My position would have been a little different, but still. Yeah. I never saw you as the physical type. Yeah, I'm not, but you mess with my wife, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Evidently. Um, yeah, she's... Again, we're off topic because it's a Kirsten Dunst, Tobey Maguire scene. But, no, it's on topic because this is when I went to see the film because I was really looking forward to this movie. Uh, cause, and this was, it was kind of a, a, a weird year because, uh, Attack of the Clones came out this year too. So it's oh, like you, yeah, so you had the Spider-Man film. I think Spider-Man came out before. Spider-Man Attack came the... out first yeah. because I was really miffed that while we're in Florida, I wouldn't get to watch Attack of the Clones <laughs> as well. But, uh, so I remember being really plugged in to all of the hype. This, uh, 
Valentine's Day before this came out, Rachel got me a bunch of the action figures as presents. Because uh, I've still got one on my bookshelf. It, it, they had a pretty decent action figure line uh, for this one. Uh, yeah, they didn't look awful either. The Spider-Man ones are actually quite good. I think it was the kids. I nicked it back off them. <laughs> You're not using this anymore. It's going on my shelf. Yep. Stood in front of me books next to R2-D2 and Tom Baker. Like, uh, sorry, guys. I just came from a poetry reading. I, uh... Oh. <laughs> He is wearing a 60s turtleneck. If that jacket does not have leather patches on the elbow, I will call them all liars. Look at that mask. What did, did, did he kill one of the dogs from Ghostbusters and make a mask out of it? <laughs> Come on, dog. Cute little pooch. Ari's took to wearing all black now. He's about to start listening to My Chemical Romance. Yeah, get the eyeliner out. Because <laughs> he's not... <laughs> yeah, I was right about marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> Told you, son. Won't do you any good. He's he, he, he he's not cool enough for Morrissey. So, yeah, it's got to be My Chemical <laughs> Romance. They are quite well cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, especially when you see them both wearing essentially the same clothes. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those things where they must have looked at the pictures and their and their screen test together and went, you know, we can't do much better than this. <laughs> and it's a good scene too, because you know it's it's him finally getting acceptance from the man that he's been wanting acceptance for and acting out because of. You know, all these years. So, it's it's actually quite touching. Mm. I presume his mum was the one with the brown eyes, though. Single tear. Oh, single man tear rolling manfully down his cheek. Oh, 3D! He went to the Bill Bixby School of Directing. I mean, acting. <laughs> Coming from Aunt May. He's going to have to find the money to pay for all of this, isn't he? No, he's taking pictures. It's okay. Not Superman, you know. Which was played... I remember seeing this in the theater and going... The the editing and the trailer on that was quite different. So seeing him laugh Mm. was actually a better reaction shot. So Anna doesn't live next door in this version, then? No. Which is a shame. Because, again, they could have made that work. Because, like in the comics, she would go and stay with Aunt Anna to get away from her family. Yeah. Well, it's like they they got it almost right. Which is the best we could hope for in 2002. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> now we get all bent out of shape if they don't get it exactly right. And, well, we should, because they're doing such a good job of getting it right. Well, this movie... Even more so than the first X-Men film was such a game changer for superhero films. Because X-Men, well, X-Men was big, this was an event. Yeah, and the X-Men went out of its way to not embrace its comic book origins. Brian Singer's been positively... I mean, he's changed his opinion in recent years, 
but he was positively dismissive of them in 1999. Whereas Raimi ran headlong into it. <laughs> well, Raimi's been making comic book movies his entire career. That's true, Evil Dead. I mean, all the way through Xena and Hercules. They were nothing if not a comic book on television. Which makes sense, because Kevin Sorbo was up for the role of Superman on Lois and Clark. Mm. That... I think he was up to fo- for Fox Mulder as well. Okay, both of those would have been really weird. Yeah, it's it's one of them where you look at it and go, yeah, the right man got the job. This is a good pullback uh, on the camera. Yeah, This is the so... difference between me and Mary Jane. I'd be losing my crap. I'd be huddled <laughs> in the middle of that thing, not knowing not what moving. to do. <laughs> Whereas she decides to run right to the edge. Clever old Mary Jane. Cable card full of kids? At night? What are they all doing there? It's a school trip. At night? That happens. Shut up. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it happens in Spider-Man movies. This is gonna this is gonna sound really weird. All of the explosions in this film are very well done. Yeah? They don't look like crappy CG explosions, that's why. They actually look like you really blew something up. Mm-hmm. I've blown stuff up, Spider-Man. What do you think I've done? Can you imagine these kids getting home and telling their parents about it? And the school going, well, you did sign a waiver when you signed (laughs) the permission slip. I'm sorry. The insurance people refusing to pay out because active supervillain isn't on the policy. Though, uh... some reason i just have like a a british uh health and safety people <laughs> <I'm getting> all... <laughs> you can't do that with the kids you didn't do a full risk assessment of the situation i'm sorry and it is a oh he's gonna choice. do a sophie's choice mary jane doesn't figure out who he is at this point no The Green Goblin is very, very strong if he can hold up that cable car. Well, I think they already proved... <laughs> no guilt there. Yeah. Save us, Spider-Man. Forget the pretty redhead. How did he say that without moving his jaw? It was amazing. He's totally amazing. He can speak without opening his mouth. And Spider-Man just stands there watching. Well, he's got to make his decision, and his decision is to save both. Because he's cool. Because he doesn't believe in the Kobayashi Maru. He certainly doesn't. And then, because this is quite good. Yeah. Again, the special effects are still quite impressive here. Yeah, they actually, the the, the CGI on this is pretty amazing. Oh, wrenched his arm out of his socket. Now, in a Stan Lee comic book, that's what that would have done. Yeah. He would have saved them both, but he would have wrenched his arm out. Is 
Oh, that barge does not look big enough to accommodate that cable car. Doesn't that isn't the guy in the boat one of the producers? I don't. I didn't get a good look. I need you to climb down. Oh. How do you know my name? Oh yeah, that's right. You saved me. Mike corrects yeah. himself in mid joke. Well, he said Murray Jane a couple of times, and she's never twigged that. How does he know who I am? Before he rescued her in the rain. <clears throat> okay, I'm sorry. She's in the water. Yeah, there's no way she's holding on there. All those kids screaming. Good slow motion shot here. Yeah, see, the special effects are great. Grabs oh. the cable. Everything works out. Yeah, the, you know, the, it's funny how the CG holds up a lot better than I thought it would. Yeah, I'm thinking this is mostly holding up quite well. I like everybody's confidence in him, even though that's very un-Spider-Man like in the comics. Well, there's Where a the sequence public, coming the... up that was very post-9-11 America. Well, the, the, the public were always split 50-50 on him, weren't they? Mm. Those that believed J. Jonah Jameson's tirades. And those that actually saw the good that he was doing. Where did all those people come from? Some people saw that as Sam Raimi commenting on America coming together after 9-11. That you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. I saw it as just what the pub- when the public's with Spider-Man, that's how they are in the comics. Mm. And it's a very New York kind of thing, too. So... I'm, yeah. Somewhere in the middle. No, I, I was I was commenting on him being thrown through a brick building like that. This is a good sequence. Yeah. Pumpkin bomb! Ow. See, doesn't the same thing happen to Harry in Spider-Man 3, though? Yes. No, that wasn't very good. And this was one of the action figures. Yeah, broken costume Spider-Man. Which is funny, because at the same time, they had a Marvel Legends figure that was a broken costume Spider-Man based on a McFarlane cover from the Spider-Man, Adjectiveless Spider-Man series. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Which my wife also got me as a present. Because we have also... See, this fight is a bit brutal. We do. Yeah, he's... I do like how the mask is off. The fact that he comes out on top of So there's all no of way you can see out of that second eyepiece. Oh, yeah, the Green Goblin holds. Oh, they've changed it, though. Oof. See, this is quite brutal. I love the fact that it's playing out with no music as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes it a lot more dramatic. And it's, I like that it's not a public battle. It's very private between these two people. Hmm. It's definitely taken its cues from Amazing Spider-Man 39 and 40. Mm -hmm. Even though the ending is Amazing 122. Nice hero resolve shot.
Oh, good. Well done. Music swelling up nicely, coming at just the right time. Now, a couple of funny quips here wouldn't have gone amiss. <laughs> Bring it down the house. Yeah, I was actually thinking the exact same thing it was about to say it. <laughs> but he said Spider-Man would have made that joke. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he doesn't make with that he does look like the alien, doesn't he? Yes, he does. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's going to show up in a minute. I like this bit as well now. Spider-Man's just not giving him a chance to rest. No. He's got him on the ropes and he's just going to punish him. Yeah, he's working him over like a side of beef. Ooh. It is quite a brutal fight seeing this for 2002. Mm-hmm. What rating did this get? PG-13. Is this a 12? Right, yeah, over here it got a 12. So yeah, PG-13. Yeah, Batman changed the template for that. For superhero films. Cause normally... Oh yeah, yeah, Batman was the first 12. This was the first 12A. I don't know that the 12 and the 12A makes that much difference, to be honest with you. Costume hanging on just by a thread, or the mask at least. Ooh. I think they made a mistake here killing him off. Yeah, it, it, it's a mistake a lot of comic book films make because, you know, killing off. But fair play to Sam Raimi, he kept bringing him back. And Defoe kept coming back to do little scenes. So. Well, he had lot. He had a, he had fun doing it. It's a nice musical cue under that line. Good use of the spider sense. Yeah, which comes back when he needs it to. Well, just like the comics. Oh, that's painful because that looks like it's stabbed through something quite low down. My balls. <laughs> Sarah, I didn't want any more children. <laughs> I like that bit, don't tell Harry. A little bit of blood but at I do the st- end of his mouth. It's, it's one of the few times I wished he'd gone with the comics thing of he, he wasn't really dead. But the world must think that he is dead until he can control yeah. the raging fury that dwells within him. <laughs> the, <laughs> the incredible Green Goblin. No, that was Ultimate Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. I'm sorry, I was just playing the bongos and, and listening to beat music. What's going on in here? Oh, I'm just laying your dad to rest. I hope you don't mind. I wonder if they have a permit for that gun. I thought it was very convenient that of all the drawers in that room, you, that's uh, the one it should be in. You can have one in your house and can have one in your house in New York City, but you can't carry one around, if I'm correct. Or at least it was, you know, in the 90s when Law & Order would use that as a plot point continuously. No open carry in New York. I really like that this isn't a set. Yeah. The wind is making it work. So they probably have to loop all this dialogue. Yeah, more than likely. Because that wind looks like it's real, doesn't it? 
Which, again, all this is from the comics. Yeah, him going, Spider-Man must pay, thank God for you, Peter. I mean, that's... <laughs> is Franco doing that deliberately, though? He's got that one eye slightly closed thing that Norman would do. Might be. Franco's a, Franco's a much better actor than people give him credit for. Uh, he takes himself far less seriously than a lot of people think he does as well. Yeah, but he's got incredible talent. Uh, so, it's um, it's interesting watching him play this type of character. But I do like the fact that he just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's not playing the Hollywood game, and I appreciate that from him. You bastard, using your uncle's grave to pick up women. This is one of my favorite musical cues from the film. This finale piece. That, before they released a proper score, was actually on the music from and inspired by soundtrack. Was that the one with all the pop songs? Yeah. They, they had the yeah, opening they... track and this track on it. Uh, and I would listen to that again and again, because I really like how it played out. But you didn't listen to the Mercy Gray songs? No, not at all. <laughs> I would listen to three songs on that. I would listen to the two orchestral ones and the Sum 41 song, because I actually kind of like that. I quite like that. You mean you didn't listen to the Nickelback? No. God, no. I, I, I think there's a blue law around here that I'm not allowed to even admit that I've ever listened to a Nickelback song. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, we'll get to listen to it in a minute when the credits roll. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Uh, this I, I find this bit a bit overwrought and melodramatic. Yeah. I mean, I know Sam Raimi does melodrama better than pretty much anyone, but this is soap opera acting, isn't it? Yeah. But, on a weird level, that fits the comics. Oh, yeah, soap opera melodramatics fit the comics perfectly, but the problem with when you translate that directly to the screen like this, and you've got Kirsten Dunst doing it, it does feel like it belongs in The Bold and the Beautiful or something. How does she not figure out that that's Spider-Man? Because she... Does she not, really? Is the implication not that she kind of twigs? No, I, I never got that from this one. Uh, what? Wait, wait, wait a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. And this ending just doesn't make any sense. So he's just going to walk away? Well, yeah, because... Uh... I'm a lonely man on the boulevard of broken dreams. <laughs> he's Billy Joe Armstrong. Yes. No, I didn't like this ending. I still no, don't like this it... ending. I don't buy it. Yeah. I don't get why he he walks away. I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, I can understand the whole melodrama with Harry, but, you know. But this is the problem when they've made Murray Jane his Lois Lane. Mm -hmm. You've got this quite naff ending. Oh, wait, you're right. I suppose you could. Yeah, she does kind of. I forgot about that. She kind of twigs it. I can't help but think they should have trimmed all of that. 
and just add him go to Ben's grave and then have this, end. this is my gift, this is my curse. Yeah, and cut straight to this. Because why is Mary Jane just standing there now? Because Sam Raimi's told her not to move. This apparently was the first time they used that camera that would actually swing into the streets uh, to get these shots. Ah, beautiful! (laughs) The sunset in the background. There is nothing wrong with Spider-Man, how he looks in this. And patriotic! And he pauses right in front of it. And then there you go. You know, it's no finale from Batman, but that's a good finale. That was, you know, that was much better than I remembered it being. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, you know, I, like you, it's just like, wow, I liked that film more than I thought I did. I like how she's Miss Brandt and not Betty Brandt. Oh, she should be better. It is quite a sad thing that uh, Betty Brandt, you come away from that film going, he should have gone out with Betty Brandt. It's a terrible name for a character, as herself. <laughs> First name, as. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so final verdict on that, then. Um, a, one of the best comic book origin movies ever. Uh, I, I really think, in terms of pacing... He made it so... I mean, we were we were clocking time until Spider-Man got to the screen the first time. But, uh, even where it kind of has it over Superman the movie, when we first see the costume, it's a big deal. Uh, even, you know, and, and he's doing something. And I'm not suggesting that in Superman the movie it wasn't a big deal, because, holy crap, music-wise, visual effects, everything came together in that end of the Fortress scene. But, um... And and it's funny how, except for Macy Gray, this film holds up. It is aged yeah, that was, incredibly I th- I well. I think that's that's my biggest takeaway from watching it with you this morning is how well, remarkably well, it holds up. There's a couple of moments that we pointed out where the CG doesn't quite work, but there's a lot less of them than I thought there was going to be. And I and I think that because Raimi kept it so time period neutral like there weren't any brand new cars in this film you know everything looked kind of like from the 70s and 80s as a matter of fact i you know i think that kind of grounds it and you're right it's such a colorful movie and it puts a lie to so many things people have said about comic book films so and it was a game changer this one this is where hollywood really woke up like we can do this uh, you know, they'd stumble for another six years until Iron Man really, you know, took what this movie had done and kind of said, okay, I see what you did and I'm going to raise it this. But no, this was incredibly enjoyable the, the this time around. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that's why it's my favorite one as well. It is colorful and it feels more like the comics. Mm-hmm. Even with the missteps, and there are a few, it's not perfect. I still don't think the perfect Spider-Man movie's been made, but that's as close as we've gotten. Yeah, and, and as much as I'm glad that the character is with Marvel Studios, I don't think we're going to get the perfect Marvel Spider-Man film from that movie. I mean, I could be wrong. Hmm. I thought so far, I think they've made all the right decisions. Here's that he's going to be much thought. younger. 
Yeah, well, we've just had Nickelback. He's going to be much younger. He's going to be in high school. From what Figi's saying, they're going to keep him in high school for a couple of films, which people seem up in arms about. And then you're like, let's look at it in the grand scheme of things. He was in high school for, what, 20-odd issues? Mm-hmm. And, what, 45 to 50 minutes of this film? And all of the first Amazing Spider-Man one. That's not a lot of time to explore well, that era. That goes more to the heart of the, the hive mind saying something and everyone accepting it as fact. You know, we don't need to see the origin again. Well, you have had two films, so there's maybe some validity to that. But at the same time, like you have said on countless occasions, they still haven't done it perfectly. No, they've still not got it right. I mean, you you can say for Superman, we don't need to see his origin again, because Superman the movie covered it. And even then, Man of Steel did something different with it. But it was still basically the same origin. I don't recall people complaining about Man of Steel being the origin again, though. Whereas with this, they have done nothing but bitch since Marvel got it back. That uh, Are they going to do the origin again? Even though Feige said, no, we're not. Oh, it's nice to have the, the 60s TV theme at the end of it as well. Yeah, even though I think Aerosmith did it on the soundtrack. Well, they have different versions in every one, don't they? Michael Bublé does one of them. Is that yeah, the I actually one? rather enjoyed that one. I quite like that Big Bang Swing version. Yeah. Now the fame he's ignored. Fashion. Well, fashion is his reward. Action is his <laughs> reward. Fashion is his reward. Not in that suit. No. no, I rather liked the suits in these films, actually. I think the suits are brilliant. That's one of the things that did bug me about Amazing Spider-Man, was why change the suit? The suit clearly worked. You know, again, one of the things that people do complain about, there are certain superhero costumes that won't work in live action, and they're probably right, Mm -hmm. but Spider-Man's isn't one of them. Yeah, I I don't don't understand it either. So, but no, I I, I really enjoyed it. Good film, good, good, uh... Thank you for inviting me for this. This was a lot of fun. It's alright. It it felt like a a nice, what's-his-name to, uh... To my Lee Ditko Spider-Man stuff that I'm talking about, and it felt like a nice companion piece to uh, the Spider-Man Three conversation we had on your show, which will be out around the same time this one is. Oh, that's brilliant! So maybe we should do the second one at some point, <laughs> just so that we've got uh, so we the full, so the we can round religion. it all out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we may as well uh, do that at some point. But no, thank you very much for joining me. It was very, very nice of you to drop by. Well, I am now a work-shy fop, so I have a lot of that. <laughs> You're not a work-shy fop. You're just in between jobs. <laughs> I think is the nice way of putting it, isn't it? <laughs> lazy bastard would be the better ones, but still. <laughs> I would never say you're a lazy bastard. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Michael, tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, there's From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast that I co-host with Jeffrey Taylor uh, that I uh, put out over at FortressOfBailey2.com. I'm on Radio KAL Live, which for the moment is on Mondays at uh, 10.30 Eastern Standard Time, but because of Supergirl, that might change uh, All right. a little bit. Uh, also, I do Views from the Longbox, www.ViewsFromTheLongbox.com, and I will be sure to get 
the commentary that uh, Andy and I did over there for Spider-Man 3, uh, which was actually a companion piece to our commentary for Superman Returns in an odd way. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I'll get that out soon after this one so that it's in, like, order uh, and all that. And uh, I'm over on Two True Freaks on Comics Monthly Monday and Tales of the JSA when we do them. Very good, sir. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.